and see what their barongs on. And um, I tell you what, they got in those barongs, and I thought those Filipino girls weren't going to let them leave. But uh, <clears throat> nonetheless, we got them back. We had to tear them out of the arms of the girls. But we got them back home, and um, we did these couple of songs. You've heard us do one of them before, maybe, but we're going to do just two of the songs we did there. And boy, I tell you what, when you sing in the Philippines or when they sing, it is an amazing thing. They literally, I mean, they just love singing, and they just get to going crazy. I mean, they're standing up, waving their Bibles. They're, it's a something. It's really something. So uh, enjoy. Discouraged when no answer came. See, I prayed for years and I still saw no change. I was ready to give up, thinking, What could I do? But when I prayed that last time, God's power broke through. strong as God is strong. Prayer is reach as far as God can reach. Don't ever give up. Just pray, just pray. Don't ever give up. Just pray. been given a means to the throne of the God whose potential is yet to be known. There is no limit as to what God can do. So just keep on praying. He's listening to you. And just as big as God is. Prayer is just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach. Don't ever give up. Just pray, just pray. Don't ever give up. Just pray. God is. Prayer is just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach. Don't ever give up. Just pray, just pray. Don't ever give up. Just pray. wasn't quite like that, but anyway, <laughs> we'll take what we can get. All right. Many years he walked in darkness as he groped along the street. With his hand stretched out for pennies Or for just a bite to eat It's the story of a blind man Who met Jesus on his way And with the master's touch The man looked up as the scoffers heard him say, Somebody touch me, somebody touch me. I was blind, but praise his name, I now can see. 
those that are going to give testimony, come on up if they would at this time. We're going to go on this side, if you would, fellas. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about the presentation. Yeah. You don't want to miss that, do you? Neither do I. I'm anxious to see this. You might want to go down and watch it. All right. We'll go ahead and uh, start with this presentation. As Pastor said, what we're going to do is is a uh, more of a PowerPoint-style presentation. Uh, it's hard to put it into a video format and explain everything that's going on. And, uh, and so we'll do our best here tonight um, to give a, an overview of our 2020 mission trip to the Philippines. little sign there in the airport as we arrived. And uh, it was an amazing trip. It, right off the bat, you, um, you get in an airplane, and man, it hits you full force right away. You're going to travel for 24 hours in order to get there. And uh, you see where we took off from Toronto. We went from Cleveland to Toronto and then over to Hong Kong and then down to the Philippines. And that's the, the route that our airplane took uh, as we traveled. And, uh, and so uh, by the time we reached here, Hong Kong Airport, we were pretty bushed uh, already starting off the trip, already tired, and, uh, but you see just the beautiful scenery that hits you as soon as you hit that part of Asia, and, uh, and that would be certainly the case as we continued on over into the Philippines. This is a view outside of the window of the hotel, and uh, right across the bay and the, the mountains in the background, and there was plenty of beautiful scenery to be seen. Um, malls that were just I mean, decorated out the wazoo. You, you can't even imagine, really, because the mall culture is so dead in America, what the malls were like over there. Um, they were small cities inside of a building, four-story conglomerations that were just ridiculously amazing, And uh, <laughs> if, if you're into mall shopping, that is. And, um, and so this particular mall here was a mall just of food. That's all this mall was about. This mall only had food, and so you think the food court is amazing at your mall, you can try this one out here. And it was just beautiful everywhere you went, and uh, the mountains and, the, and the, uh, the, the scenery, very plush and green, and, uh, and it was awesome to drive around. This is that mall, it's got a carousel that was three stories tall inside of it, a go-kart track in the basement, 
Uh, if you've ever been to Mall of America, maybe times two or three, um, that's what this mall was like. And so uh, amazing things to be seen as far as the, the scenery and, uh, and the, the culture that was around there. And uh, obviously, speaking of culture, you, you see the Filipino jeepney. It's kind of iconic, a cultural thing uh, for the Philippines. And it's a, it's a jeep uh, that's been really mutilated and uh, stretched out. And this is, this is public transportation. And uh, it's two bench seats that run along the walls of that, that uh, bus, that jeepney. And they just slam, slam them in there. Uh, just, and you just hop in the back, out in and out the back, and pay your money to the driver and and by the way, they're not driving with seatbelts or any kind of uh, semblance of, uh, of safety. It's amazing. Um, but this was our view as we finally got settled in Saturday morning. We're headed out to go soul winning. And this is kind of the, the casual street view on a Saturday morning. Uh, with the jeepneys and the little motorcycle carts zooming in and out of each other. Uh, flying through the streets. And uh, it really was a sight to behold. This guy over here is supposed to be a traffic director. I don't think anyone knew he was there. And, uh, and so it was quite the experience. I was dying the whole time to drive. I felt like I was at home. Um, don't have to obey the driving laws, zoom in and out of traffic. That would be wonderful, but I never got the chance. Um, so we, we headed out, and this is kind of what the commute would have looked like. Um, a little slower, it's been sped up, but you can see where people just pull out in front of each other, left-hand turns from the right-hand lane, um, it didn't matter, and, uh, and so you were just zooming in and out of these streets, people were crossing, you watch this motorcycle in front of us just passing people, and, and uh, we were trying to follow him, and uh, he was giving us directions, and uh, <laughs> as he just zooms around, has to stop so we can catch up, it is quite the experience traveling the roads over there, and um, this is, I, I'll, I'll say this, and, and this is the truth, this is casual driving, it, it was much worse than this, all right? And, uh, and so this, was, this is out a dri Sunday drive in the country, really, is what's going on here. And, uh, and so we moved on and, and really got to move through the, the town here. And this is really where the mission trip started. You can see the culture and you can see the scenery, and there's definitely plenty of that to be seen. But this is really where our hearts were changed and touched as we began to see the ministry. And right here, we're headed out for Saturday Soul Winning, where hundreds of soul winners were out through the neighborhood. And as we began to travel into these streets, we saw these folks from Christian Bible Baptist Church all over the place. Street signs, handing out tracts. Once we got to where they were supposed to be in the region, the area they were going to be at, you didn't go 100 feet without seeing somebody in a green polo shirt with a, uh, a street sign and a gospel tract in their hand, just handing it. And they were all over the city that day. It was quite amazing. And they were having a special... Um, outreach that day, and so at a designated time, we all um, went and met at a, at a certain place, and here you see these folks out on the street, this is the police, uh, this gentleman over here on the right-hand side, he goes to Brother Ed Lorena's church, the ministry we were visiting, and, uh, and this is his, uh, his police officers, and he ordered them to show up for soul winning that day, and so that's where they were, and <laughs> it's just a different culture, just the, the way it is over there, and so uh, he had them all there for uh, that outreach program, we met kind of in a circle where all the soul winners were kind of out in the streets all around us. And then at that designated time, we left and met all together in a, in a parking lot. Just hundreds of soul winners from his church. And, uh, and they were out through all the neighborhoods. This isn't even the whole group. Um, you can't get them into one picture. And so here they are all gathered together, just having a, a kind of a, a time of encouragement as they just spent the morning out soul winning. And that was an amazing thing to see their, their dedication to that, the, such a large portion of the church out visiting. The, the, this is Saturday, and that brings us to um, Saturday evening where they have their frontline meeting. And this was an amazing thing. A couple hundred members of the church gathered together on a Saturday evening, about 5 o'clock, and they were there until I think it was about 9 o'clock by the time they wrapped up, 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Choir practices, making sure everyone was on cue, making sure the ushers knew where they were going to be, um, make sure the teachers knew exactly what was going on. They just went through everything, every Saturday night. This wasn't special because of the, the anniversary or because Americans were there. Every Saturday, the whole worker core of the church, 200 plus people, gets together and gets on the same page, gets fired up for, Saturday, or for Sunday, and it is quite the amazing thing. And, uh, and so pastor had the opportunity to preach to them, and uh, it was awesome to witness that. 
Sunday was an amazing event. Brother Josh, myself, and Pastor all got to preach at different churches. So Brother Josh preaching at one of the country, or we say country church, village churches that they have out there, uh, myself in one. And then Pastor preaching at Brother Lorena's church. And uh, they are expanding and uh, really have a beautiful facility now. And, uh, and so they packed this out. There was two services on Sunday morning. And, uh, and so they filled it out both times, this auditorium. Um, the, the first service, you can't see it, but through those glass doors, the street was packed out. The building behind it was packed out. There's a mezzanine above with TVs for remote viewing. Um, thousands and thousands of people. Um, they had 3,000 first-time visitors that morning that we were there. 3,000 first-time visitors. Over 3,000. And, uh, and so I uh, got to preach the gospel to them. Many, many souls saved that day. Just an amazing thing. And uh, as Pastor said earlier, um, the way that they sing in these churches is People something else. Um, this is kind of a little video shot that Pastor Lorena took from the stage. To to Pastor probably didn't even know that he was get, doing I it. But messed up on alcohol or drugs. I want to get so messed up in sin. I don't want my life to add up to nothing. I don't know people like that. I they listen so intently. They're focused in on what you have to say. And uh, as Pastor said, they... They love the special music. The guys got to sing. really something else when you're there and uh, they're going crazy absolutely crazy they just love it it's not some kind of show it's not some kind of you know Pentecostal event either you're not speaking in tongues although it seemed like tongues to us uh, it just wasn't they were enjoying praising God's name and uh, and then to listen to their congregation now this won't come through on our speakers but the way that they sing as a congregation will blow your mind if you can turn it up just a little bit for us singing like they actually meant it, like they actually were saved. It, it was amazing. And, um, and if you think, man, that kind of sounds like they were screaming, that's how, I mean, they were just into to singing, lifting up the name of the Lord, rejoicing. And uh, it, it was really just, it's breathtaking. When you're standing in the middle of it, it really is. You kind of like, wow, you, you can't understand it um, as far as it doesn't compute. And if that makes sense, you're just standing there listening to these people this is their second language. They sing their hymns basically in, in English, and, uh, and they speak a language called Tagalog is their main, but they, pretty much everyone speaks and understands English. And, um, and so just an amazing thing to see them worship, and I'm sure folks will talk about that in their testimonies. This is a public school, and I'm sure you'll hear more about this through the testimonies as well. This, this public school is just a big, giant dirt lot, and construction was happening all over the place, and noise, and everything was crazy. Um, but these buildings here, um, wrap all the way around in a, in a horseshoe, and um, we got to walk into the school, a brief orientation when we first got there, and we got to just go knock on a classroom door and walk into the classroom and share the gospel, share with these kids how they could be saved. And from what we understand, that we had 45 minutes that we could have stayed in that classroom and preached to them. And it was just amazing. The teachers would just stop. We went to classrooms. Teacher was in the, teacher was in the middle of the lesson, and we would knock on the door. The teacher would ask what was going on, and we'd say, we're here to, to preach the Bible. And they'd say, okay, come on in. And they would go sit in the back of the classroom or walk out, and you would be able to preach to this whole classroom. Uh, there was 50 classrooms at this school, um, over 5,000 kids um, in this school for the first shift. And then the second shift came in in the afternoon. And they said there was another two to 3,000 kids that would come for that shift. And so the, there's just so, so um, full. We were there for a morning, got to preach to hundreds of kids. Hundreds of kids got saved. The ladies got to share the gospel, and, and uh, all of us got to go into these classrooms and 
um, share. We would share a little bit of the, the gospel um, or share the gospel plan, and then one of the guys from their Bible college or somebody from the ministry there would come and wrap it up after we were done, just making sure that they understood everything in their native tongue. And, uh, and it was really amazing. Uh, on Wednesday night, I got to preach, and, and 64 of those kids from school came and showed up Wednesday night to the service. And uh, it's just amazing to see um, their response to the word of God. We got to see and do so much while we were there. We got to be involved in special youth meetings. This is their Bible college. We got to attend chapel a couple nights where pastor preached, and uh, Dean got to sing a couple songs, and um, we got to visit churches all throughout. This is Brother Gil Lorena's church, uh, uh, the, the brother of the man we were visiting, and got to visit. They were getting ready for a a revival meeting, you see they're all decorated there in that beautiful auditorium, and they just fill it up uh, every service, sharing the gospel, and, uh, and to listen, uh, I'm going to pause this for a second, to listen to somebody sing, here's some eight-year-olds, uh, from what I understand, maybe eight to 12 years old, really young kids here. It wasn't just the young kids either. They had a mixed quartet of teenagers that just sang out, gave it their all when they got up there, praising the Lord. It was praising the Lord. amazing to listen to them sing and to praise the Lord and you hear a recurring theme whenever you hear them sing or talk and they're going to talk about Jesus over and over and over he is on their mind he is on their tongues he's on their hearts and uh, it's amazing to see the way they live we got to go and visit some church plants around the the uh, countryside this would be a church service they're going to hold a service here put wooden pews underneath it there move a stage you see kind of sitting at the bottom there they'll move that platform out set up a sound system and that's going to be a church for a while while they're working on building another building. And, and, uh, and so this is, we looked at those beautiful buildings. They're the more established churches, been around for 40 plus years. Um, and this, this church here is just a few years old, getting off the ground, but they'll have a couple hundred people, from what I understand, slammed in underneath of this. They'll have, use houses around the corner for nurseries. They'll use upstairs of, the neighbor, of, the, of their own personal homes. Uh, we went to a home, a pastor's church, and uh, Pastor Reagan, and his home becomes the nursery on Sunday morning. The park next door becomes the uh, Sunday schools and junior church. The second floor of their dormitory building for their, their uh, college institute becomes Sunday school classes. It's just They just use every little square space they can. They don't have a lot of it, but they pack them in and uh, share the gospel. And these folks are willing to sacrifice on every turn. Everywhere you turn, they're willing to sacrifice to get the gospel into, people, into people's lives. And uh, it really is such an impactful thing. Uh, this is a church maybe eight years old, I think, from beginning to end. This pastor's only been there. It's only been established and independent for uh, three years, and the church was running over 500 people. And, uh, and it's just amazing. And that's not by coincidence. Um, him and his staff go out soul winning six hours a day, and, uh, and, and then another three hours of church ministry, nine hours total. Three hours soul winning morning, three hours of church ministry uh, work in the afternoon, painting or cleaning or whatever, then three hours of soul winning in the evening. And then they go to Bible college and they go to Bible Institute and uh, they, their mornings start at probably around five and end around 11. And uh, that's how they live their lives, these folks here. We talk about how things are full and slammed and busy and it's happening, but it's not happening on accident. 
uh, it's happening because a lot of people are sacrificing. And, uh, and so we, see, we saw that as we traveled around. We're in another village church here. A group of men were in the church finishing the ceiling, trying to make it nice in there. Uh, this auditorium was on the second floor. And, uh, and this pastor here has been serving many, many years there. And, uh, and then just all over, here's an open air church. Like pastor said, no air conditioning, uh, nothing to it, just fans kind of rotating in the ceiling and, and folks gathered together. This is a Thursday night service and uh, these folks were here just rejoicing. They're singing. The choirs were amazing. So, so their timing and their practice and every aspect of what they did, they just did to the best of their ability, to the honor and glory of God. And, uh, and it really was an amazing thing. We made our trip back home, and uh, Lord bless, we had a different route coming home. We didn't have to go through Hong Kong, from Manila all the way to Los Angeles, and then back to home. And uh, such an impactful trip. Um, you see a little bit of the scenery, you've seen a little bit of the, the culture, and you see a little bit of the ministry. There was a lot going on there, and uh, it's because there's a people who are dedicated to the Lord. And so those of you that are going to give testimonies, if you would come on up at this time, and uh, we'll hear from some of the folks that were on the trip. Uh, about the uh, about what took place in their lives. All right, well, I'm here, so I'll go ahead and start. And um, there, there's so much to be seen, but the one thing that I would say uh, that was more impactful than anything to me um, was their level of sacrifice. And you heard me use that word a couple times. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's times in my life, um, now I work for a church, you know, and so my perspective is different than even most. Uh, but there's times in my life where I feel like I'm giving, I'm giving it all, and I'm giving extra even. And uh, as I got over there and I observed what these folks were doing so cheerfully and willingly, uh, it was really embarrassing um, in, in my own heart. Um, as I observed the way that they got up, I, I got to interact with some of their assistant, the assistants to the pastor there, and, uh, and, and heard their schedules and what they went through and, and, and how they how they serve the Lord there, and uh, it's just, it's, it's embarrassing, <laughs> I guess that's really the word for it, it's embarrassing, um, because we have it so plush and comfortable here in America, um, our level of sacrifice um, sets the bar so low compared to going to a third world country, um, and I say third world, they might be third world in poverty level, um, but they're first world Christians, and uh, and they're, if we're first, we're, <laughs> that makes us second or third. <laughs> uh, it, it reverses roles because uh, what they're willing to do for the Lord. And so as I observed that, that was one of the most impactful things for me was to see uh, these men and women um, who just give everything. And it wasn't just the husband serving at the church. It wasn't just the wife serving at the church. It wasn't just a child serving at the church. It was the whole family. The whole family got involved one way or the other. The whole family was in the Sunday schools, and they were plugged in, and they were serving the Lord together. And I came back, I was telling my wife, and, and, and I said, you know, I don't think that they have hobbies. They don't, I don't think they have anything else. That I don't think they do family time as we know it. I don't think that they do vacations as we know it. They just do ministry together. And that, that's how the family unit served together over there. And uh, And... We don't like that as Americans because we're so comfortable in, in our lifestyles. And it was incredibly convicting to me uh, to see that level of dedication and sacrifice. I take a look at that presentation and so many memories come flooding back. And there's so much that I could say, um, so many directions I could go. Brother Cavanaugh did a good job. I thought, you know, I was convicted convicted as I watched their work ethic, how they just dug in and just got to it. And by that, I mean just ministry. It was a priority. But um, what was the word you used? Embarrassing? What was it? I, that's a better word. I, we, we were embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Um, we think we do so much. And by we, I, I, I mean me. I think I do so much. And as was mentioned a moment ago, I work at a church and, and I, I go visiting and I, and I go door knocking and I I do it, but just the cheerfulness, the excitement in which they do the work, for me, was convicting, embarrassing. Um, one of the, the missionaries, um, there was one missionary that we interacted with, and he was, he was an American, so he had somewhat of a different perspective. And one thing that he said through the course of that week really got me. Um, 
you, you watch and you, you look at some of the videos. I was there. I was on the ground. And so I saw the ministry firsthand. And you see all these people coming to church and the excitement and the souls being saved. And, you, and you, you're tempted to say, well, aren't they lucky in the Philippines? But it was that work, the effort that was put forth. You saw that parking lot that was jam-packed, workers there in their place, ready to go, ready to do it. He said, the, the thing that convicted me, the missionary, he said, you know what? There's, they have the Bible college, and there are some young men that leave to go do the work, and they stick to the guidelines. They, they stick to what they have been taught, the soul winning, the hard work that is put forth, and they see godly success. And then there are some who come from the same school, and they take a step back. You, think, you would think in the Philippines, everyone's going to see success. He says, those guys struggle. They don't succeed like the others. There's still something to be said for soul winning. There's something to be said for sharing the gospel. And so in short, if there was something that impacted my life, it, there's this. if you could picture this massive funnel, and it came right down to Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's what they prioritized. That's what they preached. That's what they got fired up about. That's what they were excited about. You talked about the cross. You talked about the blood of Jesus Christ. You sang a song about the blood of Jesus Christ. You could have just seen how they responded and how they reacted. How can I sit by when the preacher gets up and talks about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <sighs> but that's where we're at today in America. I was fired up. I was thankful for the opportunity that I had to go and witness that. I was convicted and uh, honestly embarrassed. God is so good. And I was blessed, so blessed by that trip. I was just going to say what everybody else was going to say. The big thing they said was ministry is sacrifice. And honest to goodness, it was just... I can't say anything else than what they said. Ministry is sacrifice, and their lives was the ministry. Their lives are the ministry. <clears throat> they don't, like Josh said, they don't have any hobbies or exceed, I forget which one. They just served God. And the biggest thing, I think, to me, besides that, was Sunday morning when we were getting ready for the um, Sunday morning service. There was, the, all the ushers had on blue barongs, and it was like a sea of barongs everywhere. There was men at the beginning and at the end of every aisle. And one gentleman named Willie said to me, we want to do what we can do so that our pastor doesn't have to worry about one thing but preaching. That's all they wanted him to do was preach. And my heart was so burdened for here at home. Where are the men in our church that our pastor can just worry about one thing and that's preaching? And where am I? Where's my heart that my pastor's wife or that anybody else, that my husband can do what he needs to do and not have to worry about anything else? And besides ministry is sacrifice, that was the thing that spoke to me the most was what am I doing so that somebody else can concentrate on what they need to do and what they've been called to do? Well, I wasn't planning on coming up here. <laughs> I was very scared, but I was told by my mother that um, I, I, ne I need to encourage you, anybody that was even thinking about going on this trip and didn't go, that you should really, if we ever do this again, you should go. I prayed so hard preparing for this trip that I could be used of God, that God would use me in a mighty way, and that I would be a blessing to these people, and I did nothing. They did it all. They blessed us. They treated us like celebrities. We were catered to. Our every need was catered to. They took care of us in such a mighty way. It was such a blessing to watch it and to be a part of just that, that little week. We were there to be a part of that. We went out and we went soul winning. We're passing out tracks in, in old dead railroad tracks. And these people were poor, 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 poor. And they came out of their homes to get a track from us. They greeted us like we weren't strangers. They took, they, they, 
I was so scared to go down there. And they wanted us there. They wanted to see what we had. They knew we did, what we had was a religion, that it was a real God. And they wanted that. Just like when we went to the schools, I was terrified. Shook like a leaf the whole way, thinking I had to go into a public school and talk to seventh graders about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, they stood, sat there, and they listened to every single word I said. I could see in their faces how much they needed Jesus and how much they wanted Jesus. And it was amazing to see how many of them came to the Lord. I, I, begged, I begged God to send these people back to hit these kids again to make sure that they knew where they needed to be. And, and they did it. Sixty-some kids, 60 some kids came to church that day or that next time. No, how many did it say? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. These people were such a blessing to us. They had us, uh, Shirley and I, signing the Bibles too. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. And one of the ushers came up to me and said, they, don't, they just want your name in their Bible so they can pray for you. My mouth hurt from smiling so much from all the pictures that they took of us. It was amazing. They wanted to be around us because they wanted... They wanted to share Jesus with us like we wanted to share God with them. So it was, it was an amazing trip. You really should pray about going on the next trip that goes out. Thank you. Um, the missions trip was just great. It was wonderful. And honestly, going into it, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I had, uh, if you've heard Brother O'Donnell, some of his, Brother O'Donnell Sr., heard some of his stories, you kind of get a little bit nervous not knowing what's going into it. But uh, we just got there, and the people were just, it was, it's hard to explain. They were just genuine. They were real, um, and they were just servants. Um, honestly, the first couple of days we were there, um, I was like, man, this, this place is ran like a dictatorship. You know, it's just, they were just servants. They were just willing from the heart. You know, it, it almost looked like that at first. But that's just how committed they were. Um, and then it was just awesome just to get to those, uh, some of those churches, the smaller ones that we got to see. And uh, just to see their children's ministry being in a, a beat up garage, shack looking thing. And they're just happy and joyful and they're just thankful for what God gave them. Uh, one of the, my favorite highlights was getting to go into those public schools and uh, to preach. Um, it was just, it, you just lost for mind. You don't know what to think because, you know, back in America, what are the chances you get to preach in a public school? And like, sh like's already been mentioned, the kids just listened very well. And um, I even went over one time, not like Mr. Kavanaugh would go over, but I went over and uh, I went back to the teacher and I was going to apologize to him and just tell him thank you. And he said, oh, no, no, no. Thank you. You know, thank you, you know, for you know, teaching the kids, because honestly, it just makes a difference. It helps them, and it's going to help him to teach to them, and that was just awesome to see. And then, uh, I guess one of the funniest things, um, the people there, they just, they're not um, what we would consider politically correct, but that the reason for that is because whereas he, where we are, we can get our feelings hurt really quick, but over there, you know, they just rub it off it didn't mean anything so they're just cracking jokes left and right talking about how big americans are and things like that it was just <laughs> it was funny it was just crazy but um honestly what it what it did for me it was just seeing people's hearts and how they serve and it really just reflected you know it was embarrassing to where i am you know how often i let my pride slip in and think oh that's my time I don't really want to give that up. And it was just convicting to see that, you know, even br Brother Lorena, you know, the, the pastor of the church was at the church till 10, 9, 10 o'clock at night, and he's studying. And that was just convicting to see. And uh, honestly, it just, it made me want to have a better servant's heart and to be humble, to realize it's not my time. And then also, I just want to be excited, you know, because God's still good. God's still on the throne. And even when, you know, we, um, you know, we can get discouraged. God's still in control. And that was just, the trip was amazing.
just as already has been mentioned, this trip was, it was wonderful. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen was going over into the Philippines and just seeing how these people serve. Um, on Saturday, when we first uh, started soul winning with them, there, like was already said, there was hundreds of people out there soul winning. And it, it really convicted me that there were so many people out there soul winning. And then when we got back at five o'clock to the church, they were still out soul winning up until that point. They had been out all day. And it, it really just, it convicted me to see their, their level of dedication and how much are we, do we do that? And speaking of myself, how often do we give of our time to, to things like soul winning? And that was just their priority. And it was, it was crazy to me. They, I talked to one of the gentlemen that day. He was a layman in the church. He worked a full-time job. But he told me, every chance I have, I'm here at the church. I'm going soul winning. I'm doing everything I can. And he was one of those people that was out all day for eight, nine, ten hours soul winning. And it, it was just really convicting. But uh, other than that, it was it was amazing. Um, I forgot my other part of what I was going to talk about. I wrote it down. Don't worry. Oh yeah, now I remember the the dedication of the Bible college students. They, they would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they had to do the devotions at 4 o'clock in the morning. And if they didn't do the devotions, they weren't allowed to eat. If they didn't shower, they weren't allowed to eat. Seventh graders. Um, their day started at 4 o'clock in the morning, though. And they were, they were out all day, like was already mentioned, three hours soul winning, three hours doing work, th- three more hours doing soul winning. And then they went to school, did four or five hours of school. And then they went to bed. They, they had to be in their dorms by 11 o'clock. Lights out at 11. So you think they only slept four or five hours a night on top of having homework. And it was just convicting to me of the discipline that they had in their life and how undisciplined my life can be at times, how unorganized it is. And it was just amazing to see how dedicated these people were. And it, it seriously changed my life. And uh, thank you, preacher, for letting us go on this trip. Magadan Gabipo. Beautiful evening, sir or ma'am. It was amazing. That is the best way you can put it. Uh, the one thing I could say is that it was very nostalgic. I remember, and this is not to say we're in a bad place now at all, not even, we're in a very good place. But I used to remember as a teenager, just always wanting to be at church. That I always looked forward to doing that next thing. Whether we were rebuilding something or whatever the next thing, another event was. We had different groups, things that we were going through. And it was just a blessing to see the heart of these people who had a desire to be at church all the time. And it was already said that it didn't look like any of them had any hobbies. Their love was for Christ and Christ alone. And it really shined through. It wasn't an act. This is just what they did. We just got to see it. And it was beautiful to see. I I still remember one of the gentlemen, because being that I am single and in my 30s, yes, (laughs) Um, you did have a lot of them... uh, poke fun and have a lot of fun with that. It's like, well, is there any girls you saw or different things like that? But um, one of them asked, like, so what do you think of the Filipino, peop- uh, Filipino people? And I went, they're beautiful. He went, are women? It's like, that's true. But it's the heart of the people that I saw. It was amazing to see their work ethic and just what they did, where they went and how they did it. There was just a spirit of labor, and that was something I thought was amazing, was an illustration that was given where there's plenty of workers out there, but laborers, just like when a mother is going to give birth, that's labor. It's work with love, a level of compassion, 
there's more to it than just doing a job. And that's what these were. These were laborers who went out, and they did it with a plan, strategized. And they went out and did it. It was beautiful on Saturday to see the swath of everybody in the same outfit, these green polos. Now, everybody else got a green polo. I didn't because I weigh over 150 kilos. <laughs> and with the, uh, but it was beautiful to see everybody to where you knew they were all believers and they were out to give the gospel. And they saw people coming to Christ and they were there on Sunday as new visitors. It was beautiful. And then also with that, when we went to the uh, public school, just once again, just showing the testimony of Pastor Glenna and his church and the churches that he has helped establish. The mayor of Manila saw what was happening in the United States. We preach to our prisoners, but we don't preach to our kids. And we see the results of it. He has over 200 of Pastor Lorena's workers laborers go into their public schools and give the gospel so they don't go into prison <laughs> but more importantly they get the gospel they get the truth and it was it was a blessing to see I still remember when I uh, one of the one of the illustrations I gave for about a foundation the word of God's a foundation and I brought up I'm 150 kilos one girl almost fell straight out of her seat she just couldn't believe it. it was, oh, and it almost fell right over. But to see those kids and the heart they even had, the, when you came in, the first thing they did was they would stand up. Thank you for, and uh, how did it go? You, you, you had it memorized pretty well. Well, uh, welcome visitor. Thank you for coming. They would all stand up in attention together and say that. And then you would get to teach the class. And it was just a blessing. And I could go on and on, but there's way more things to go here. So, But it was just such a blessing to see what they've done. And there's still hope for us. It's, a, it's one of those things. You, they, we got to preach in their public schools. That's not to say that cannot happen here. But everybody brought the same points. Sacrifice and labor. That's what it's going to take. If we want to see the results... We've got to put the labor in. Same as I joke around with it. I'm a big guy. If I want to lose the weight, i got to put in the labor. Just what it takes. And that's what I got out of that. So, Well, as they said, we uh, had the opportunity to go into public school system and share the gospel. One might think, well, what in the world did you share with them? Well... Their uh, president had uh, declared that particular month Bible Month in the Philippines. And so with it being Bible Month, we'd go into the classroom and there the children would sit. And we would, uh, in my case, I would say, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, your president has, uh, has authorized or, or um, committed this month to Bible Month. And so if we're going to, your, your president thinks so much of the Bible, it's important that you know what's in the Bible. And so, first of all, you need to know you're a sinner. It's over in the book of Romans, chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 23. The Bible tells us, it says, for all sin to come short of the glory of God. You got to understand, we're in a public school system. So you need to realize that all have sinned. What we're talking about is that you are a sinner, meaning you don't measure up to God's perfect standard. He's holy and he's righteous and he's without sin. But the fact is, is that you and I today, we're sinners. And the Bible wants us to understand that as sinners, we do not measure up to his standard. I don't care how good you are. It doesn't matter if you're better than your buddy next to you. I'd walk over to one of the kids and I may say, look at that kid right there. Maybe you're a little better than them. Maybe they do a lot of bad things. And of course, they'd giggle and snicker. I'd say, but the truth is, is that 
You can compare yourself to one another all day long, but the fact is, is that you have to compare yourself to Jesus Christ who is perfect and sinless. And when you do that, you fall miserably short for all sin and come short of the glory of God. But not only are you sinners, but the Bible tells us, that book tells us exactly why we're sinners. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all sin. Now, I said, I wonder, how many of you know the story of Adam and Eve? The kids would raise their hands. I mean, they've been taught certain things and they've understood that the, uh, the, the Bible enough to know about Adam and Eve. I'd say, well, the Bible tells us that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And we know how that went. We know that God told them that they could eat of every tree of the garden except the one that's in the midst of the garden. Of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat. The day that you eat of that particular fruit, that particular tree, thou shalt surely die. I said, hey, can anybody tell me exactly what happened? Can you tell me how it went down? Can you tell me what choice or what decision was made? And of course, some of them start to answer, and I say, you're right. That's right. Eve turned around and was tempted by Satan, the devil, that serpent, and she, re- she took of that fruit. She ate of that forbidden fruit. But you know what? Not only did she eat of it, but her husband Adam did as well. And when he ate of that fruit, the Bible says that he disobeyed God. He willingly disobeyed God. How many of you have ever willingly disobeyed God? How many of you ever willingly disobeyed your parents? The fact is is that they're sinners now because they disobeyed God. And the fact is is that we're all sinners because we all disobey God. And we're sinners because of the sin of Adam. I said, you know what? I don't know, but I got to believe that Adam had long, dark, flowing hair just like I do today. And he had big muscles, and he looked really good like I do today. And they, of course, laugh because in that culture, you got to understand, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of young people there. It's not like our culture. Do you realize if you're 60 or over, you're considered a senior citizen, but let me tell you, you go to a fast food restaurant there, you get a separate line. You go to the airport, and you're over 60, you get to, you get to go all the way through. Thankfully, Shirley's a senior Our whole group got to bypass everybody. Yeah. I'm glad there's only one old one in the bunch, but at least we got to the front. They thought I was that old too, I guarantee you. Matter of fact, that when at the service, they thought Shirley and I were married. And I thought, wait a second, she's a lot older looking than me, ain't she? Apparently not. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, we get to joking with him, and I'd say, now listen, the fact is, is that, that, that Adam, he had that dark hair probably, and guess what? He had some kids. Him and Eve got together and had some kids, and you know what? They had dark hair too. And you know what? If he had blue eyes, you know what color eyes his children's eyes probably were? Blue. You want to know why? Because Adam and his wife got together, and they had a child, and that child took after the characteristics of the daddy. And you want to know something? When Adam sinned, the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for they're all sinned. You want to know something? Not only did they uh, become sinners like Adam, but they also died like Adam had to die. And the fact is, as you look around you, everywhere you look, there's death. You want to know that's proof positive of? The fact that we're sinners. The moment you start thinking you're not a sinner, you just look around you and you see death around you. You watch people like this in a casket and you look at them one day, you be reminded and you remember that that's a direct result of sin. Sin brings death and sin brings separation from God and sin brings separation in a place called the lake of fire. So you were using those terms? Yes, we did. Over in the book of uh, Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, not only do we recognize that we're sinners and, that, and, and why we're sinners because of the sin of Adam, but we recognize that there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. In order to understand that word death, you have to go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 14. The Bible says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Kids, I want you to realize that not only do we die this way, not only is there a physical death, not only will you end up one day in a casket in the ground somewhere, but the fact is is because of sin, you're going to be separated eternally from God himself in a place called the lake of fire. 
You say, you can preach like that in the schools? Yes. And may I say, well, there needs to be a little bit more of that preaching today in America. The fact is, is that we're all sinners. And we're sinners because of the sin of Adam. And there's a penalty for sin, and that sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But thankfully, like I told them, thankfully there's a but in the room. And of course they're like... I said, has your parents ever said, you know what? I, I, I said, you know, in my life, I said, I loved it. I'd say to my parents, Mom, can I go to my friend's house? And they'd say, sure, you can go to your friend's house, but I don't like that but. I said, you know what's coming, but you got to clean your room, but you got to mow the lawn, but you got to go take out the trash, but you got to do this or do that. And I said, man, I hated the buts. I said, but I like it on this one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift of God. I said, you know, it's interesting. You're here in a classroom today, aren't you? I said, you know what you get to do? You get to learn mathematics. How many of you like math? About four hands go up. I said, well, we have a math problem right in front of us here today. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life. I said, we have a math problem. We have the gift of God, and we have the word is. You know what is is? It's an equal sign. The gift of God is or equals eternal life. God has a gift that he wants for all of us, but, and it's, it's called eternal life. And so he defines that. Again, it's a mathematical problem. Gift of God equals eternal life. And I said, how many of you have ever received a gift? And they raised their hands. I said, okay, whether it was some important event, maybe your birthday or something, you received something. I said, let me ask you, when you received that gift, did you have to pay for it? And the kids were like, no, we didn't pay for it. I said, that's right. Because a gift by nature is something you accept, you receive. It's not something you purchase or you pay for. A gift is something you just simply accept or receive. The gift of God is eternal life. You know what that means, kids? That means that if you want eternal life, there's not going to be anything you can do to earn it. There's not going to be anything you can say to get it. There's not going to be anything that you're going to have to do to to somehow obtain it. You just simply have to accept and receive it. Just like that gift that you received and you just stuck your hand out and you took it, the fact is, is that God has eternal life for you and you have to receive it. But wait a second. I said, that gift that you received, let me ask you something. Did, did it cost something? Did somebody have to pay something so that you could get the gift? They said, yes. Absolutely that's true. And you want to know something that's true with, with salvation? The fact is, is that eternal life, that, that the, the, the gift of God is or equals eternal life. That's one thing. It's free to you, the receiver. But the fact is that somebody had to pay so that you could accept it freely. And that somebody, the Bible says, is Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The fact is, is that Jesus Christ had to come and shed his precious, perfect blood on Calvary, or you and I would die and go to hell. That is all there is to it. We can go ahead and throw the blood out of the Bible. You can go and get rid of sanctification and separation. You can do away with all those things. But my friend, let me tell you something. If you get rid of Jesus Christ, you get rid of that blood, you get rid of this precious book, the Word of God, my friend, there's no hope, and we're all going to die and go to hell. And that is a reality of life. And the fact is, is today, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, my friend, you will split hell wide open one day. It's time we wake up to the reality that the word of God is true and that God is still on the throne and that he is the creator of the universe. And if he is indeed the creator of the universe, then this book, my friend, is absolutely true and we better get a hold of it and we better apply it to our life. And when he says that the gift of God is eternal life, that's exactly what he means. It's the only way you're going to escape hell. It's the only way you're going to escape the judgment of sin. It's the only way you're going to get out of the lake of fire is by trusting and receiving Jesus Christ and accepting that personal free gift. He says, how do I get that gift then? It's real simple. We know we're sinners. We know that we're sinners because of the sin of Adam. He just passed it on down. My children are sinners just like I am. Thanks to me, they're sinners. 
I never had to teach my kid how to do wrong. I have to teach him how to do right. And because of that sin, there's a penalty for sin. And that penalty is to be eternally separated from God forever in the lake of fire. But thankfully, Jesus Christ came. And he paid, the, he paid for our sin on Calvary. He shed his precious blood. You want to know how you get that gift then? By accepting and receiving it. How do you do that? Well, according to Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You got to call on him. You got to humble yourself and admit that you are guilty and that you deserve punishment. You got to come to the place where you accept the fact that only his sacrifice is acceptable payment for your sin. That God the Father in heaven will accept nothing else but his son's precious perfect blood. And when you recognize that and you finally cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve to go to hell. But I don't want to go there. I want you to pay for my sin. And I accept what you did on Calvary as payment for it. And I accept you today as my Savior and my Lord. You know that the Lord, he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me tell you something. That day in a classroom, the gospel was given like that and maybe even harder. And then the young man stood up and in Tagalog said, well, you heard the preacher. You heard what he said. He talked about this, 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 and this. How many would like to trust Christ right now as their Savior? Do you know how they responded? By putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Scores stood to their feet. Not one, not two, not three, not ten, not fifteen, not twenty, but thirty and forty of them. What's wrong with us in America? Why are we so hard-hearted? Why can't we accept just simple truth? Why can't we just take the Bible and the Word of God for what it says and apply it to our life? Listen, He wants to give us an escape. He wants to give us eternal life. What's the point of a church? If all we do is go around and provide social activities. What's the point of that? Man, we might as well just go ahead and go to the world for that. They do a much better job than we do. A church's job and its responsibility is to reach the world with the gospel. That's what the Lord taught us. Boy, we need to get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That needs to be our main message. It ought to be our focus. Not just as a church, but as individuals. We need to take it to our families, our friends, and others. Because without that gospel, no matter how kind they are, no matter how good they are, no matter how benevolent and how giving they may be, they are without Jesus Christ. They're still in their sin. And they'll be eternally separated from the Lord Jesus one day. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's not a chance, it's not coincidence that you showed up tonight. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. You settle it tonight. You just simply need to humble yourself and say, you know what? I don't have an answer for sin. There's no way in the world I can deal with my sin. I know I've been trying to overcome things in my life my whole life, and I just keep falling and tripping up all the time. I know without a doubt that I cannot overcome sin in myself. I need Jesus Christ and just trust and receive him. And you know what? The gift of God that is eternal life will be granted and given to you And you can receive that gift just like you can receive any other gift. And you know what? You can hide it in your heart. And the Lord Jesus Christ says that he will make you his own. He'll forgive you. He'll save you. He'll make a reservation in heaven for you. And you will become his child. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, Galatians tells us. Won't you trust him tonight? Won't you simply receive Christ as your Savior? Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us tonight. Thank you for these last few moments. Thank you, Father, for those testimonies, for the, just the time that we spent looking at just what transpired and took place even in the Philippines. Well, I understand that this is a protracted service. It's gone longer than normal. But, Father, may we not allow ourselves to be so um, 
distracted that we cannot recognize and realize the, 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 the importance of what has just been shared. The fact is, is that, Father, there are those that may need Christ, even now as we speak, to trust and receive him as their personal Savior. Lord, I just pray, Father, you'd bring conviction, that, Father, you'd help us to see our need for Jesus Christ in the world in which we live and in the one to come. Father, be glorified now. Be exalted. And, Father, thank you for these that had the privilege to go. And, Lord, maybe others will get to go one day. Father, more important than that, it's going to heaven one day. May no one leave this place without Christ as their Savior and Lord. Father, do a miracle in lives tonight. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.